0: with yeah going business with aaron, yeah. Granddad business with aaron that's my dad
1: that's my dad boom welcome to grown dad business guys we're back uh this week it's a spe- it's a different week it's a special week uh I have a guest and I don't have my co pro sam uh he is in the field right now. I think that's what you're supposed to say. I have no idea. Um, no, I have one of my uh, great friends on the podcast this this, uh, this week, this episode, because I wanted to talk to him <laughs> and I've never had him on the podcast because I'm like, you know what? He's never had kids. And, but I'm like, you know what? Now, Grown Dad Business is just all kinds of dad business, Grown Dad Business, nerdy stuff. Uh, and this is just happens to be about magic. Uh, but before <laughs> before I bring them on, uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's supporting on Patreon. Uh if you're if you're watching on there, thank you so much. If you're watching early, if you're watching some of the extra stuff, thank you so much. Maybe we'll have something extra today for Patreon. I don't know. We'll see what we have in store. I don't know. Uh if you're listening, thank you so much. You're listening in your car at work. You're the best. Um so I just want to give a shout out to everybody. If you want to support on Patreon, you can do that. There's stuff you get, you get, you know, early free stuff, whatever. Also, growndadshirts.com. Uh, This is not for sale, but this is a Homestead Gray shirt that uh, I really love from my friend uh, that I do not sell, but maybe we should. Uh, I don't have the end of the year; these are gone. My my be kind, be funny shirts are going to be gone. Grown Dad Grown That's it. So look how that was a fast intro. We'll take a break. And then see what I mean? Boom. And then we're back. I didn't even talk for like nine minutes. I could try. I'll try. Boom. I'm back and I'm going to bring in my guest. It's my friend. Lee Terbosik. What up? Hey, boom. What's up, Aaron? How you finally made the show. Uh, I know it's been 200 plus episodes, but I feel like the whole time I was waiting for you to have children so we could talk about how you're going (laughs) to teach your kids magic.
0: You're going to get into the thousands before that ever comes to fruition.
1: (laughs) I know. Uh, If any of my friends, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people that listen are, you know, parents and fans of comedy and fans of nerdy things. I always, I I don't know, like I maybe thought they didn't want to talk about magic or whatever. And I was waiting for you to have kids, like I said, but uh, yeah, we're going to wait a while because what I want to tell my listeners is that Lee is one of my professional friends who has given everything to his career? Everything.
0: Thank you, man.
1: You really, no, you really, because like me and my wife, we were like, hey, you know what? Let's try to have a kid and also work in showbiz. And that's hard.
0: Oh, well, that's very, that would be, that's very tough.
1: So, uh, uh, God bless. You did it. Boom. Oh, I'll wife. cut that out. But okay.
0: uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it went man. really small, bro. You look bald for a second.
1: Well, that's my hairline. Check that out. Jeez, oh, I was.
0: I was like, is that some type of overlay that you just had happen on this camera?
1: No, I don't have a bald filter. That'd be stupid to do that. Uh, no, I also I also would like to introduce Lee. Uh, me, Lee and I are close friends. So I might say a couple things that you're like, what are you guys talking about? Uh, uh, so I'll say everything that uh, makes sense to people. Lee is also, I want to introduce you as also one of my friends that I envy for another reason. There's very few people that I am like, friends with like in Pittsburgh, cause you're from Pittsburgh. You live in Pittsburgh. Um, you're also one of a few friends that I envy your hair. Speaking of hair. <laughs> so, uh, so every time I see you and if people know David Highfield from Pittsburgh today, live, oh, yeah. you're two of my friends that I always go nice hair. It looks nice good. It looks hair, huh? Cause we try for the same thing. I just don't yeah. have the volume as you guys.
0: Yeah. So. Right now. My hair is extremely long. It's much longer than it normally is on the sides and on the top. Because I have to wear my hair, I'm in character to play Harry Houdini. So yes. I had to grow, so it took me three months to just grow my hair, not getting it cut, so that I could part it down the middle and then have it look pretty, you know, Houdini
1: esque. Yeah, like a weird, greasy 1920s magician. That's it. <laughs> That's what I'm going no. for. Uh, and it, okay, so I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'll introduce people because people do listen around the country. People listen to this in different countries. Um, there's a small percentage, I think, that's in, like, like, Luxembourg. I mean, I literally have a listener in Luxembourg, which is so Okay. Weird. Um, Lee is an internationally known magician. You have performed all over the world. You have been on Discovery Channel. You've been on, I don't, uh... History uh, Channel. The History Channel. Island. I've done quite a few Penn & Teller. Uh... I, so many things uh, you've performed everywhere, but one of the one of the like the nerdy things, like you said, is that your connection with Houdini and your love and expertise of Houdini is amazing. Like, you know, Lee is a kind of person that would text me from Vegas and is like, "I'm hanging out with Harry Houdini's uh, was
0: his it? <laughs> oh, family so with his nephew. Yeah, it's his nephew. It's like I'm you're like best friends with literally in the Houdini family.
1: Oh, dude." It's so, it's like if, if, if anything, it qualifies as grown dad business because it, if you like like history and nerdy history stuff, Houdini is so cool and mysterious. And really like was. I, dude, and like I told, I told, uh, I told you before we started, like people like when we talk about like, when I talk about like creepy stuff or like history magic stuff or like, and I'm like, this is, this is Houdini nerdy stuff is great. Um, but no, you did. In Pittsburgh in 2016, right? You did yeah, 2016, a 2016
0: November 6th.
1: Yep. Uh, you escaped from a straitjacket uh, above the city of Pittsburgh, like Houdini did 100 years prior. 100 uh, so you,
0: years to the minute at the same spot.
1: Yeah. So shit like that. Yeah. You do shit like that. Um. So here's here's my here's my question. I know like people can see you live and all that. Like we'll we'll do that more later. Uh. But here, so here's the question. I know I've done shows with you. I've We've done probably a hundred shows together over the oh, last yeah, 10 years, easy. fundraisers, mm-hmm. corporate stuff. And every time I say like, oh, I'm doing a show or something like oh, my buddy Lee's a magician. They're like, what? You, there's a magician on your show. Like what? And I will, and I know you, you get it. I, oh, you God. get it. You are literally a magician for a living. And so in stand-up comedians, like, I remember, um, well, someone listening, a comedian listening to this will know what I'm talking about. I was in the Boston Comedy Festival a long, long time ago, too, way too early than I belonged. Okay? I remember this story. And I you probably exactly know who it is. You probably know who it is. I think I did tell you this story. I think I do know who it is. We were in, like, the top, like, eight in the finals, and we were beat by a dude who did a magic trick. Right, and he did a, And when I told you about it, you were like, "Oh man, like there's a lot of people that do that trick."
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, "What?" It wasn't even original. If I was
1: like funny comedian, funny comedian has gone on to do very funny things. But what um, like every comedian in the back was like, "You, mu- mm-hmm. you gotta be kidding me, dude." He was like, "Is it Baby Oprah?" You know. I know exactly the bit you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like, they put a picture of a black baby and it comes out of Oprah. And you're like, "You, yeah, yeah. whatever. And we were just like, all like dejected. We are like, we just told jokes, but also that person had jokes. But so in like magic, you know, when people say like magician or like, I've experienced the corniness of it, the oh. people, that, that stigma that, you know, you have about it, but I'm going to be honest. I, I'm glad that you're my close friend because I'm a dude, I tell everybody it's kind of fucking cool.
0: <laughs> dude, it really is. It really is a super cool art. Um, it just has this lens that people view it through that they, that's all they see. They kind of just see the top hat, the tails and the, the doves and that's all they think magic really is. When in actuality, magic is incredibly deep. Um, it uses psychology, it uses incredible dexterity. Yeah, uh, the physical prowess that is needed to do, you know, the the stuff that's like, you know, escape from straight jackets, hanging upside down. I mean, all these different things will roll, get rolled into the, the art of magic, but unfortunately, those 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 tidbits are the things you got to go discover.
1: Well, you like, I know people will go look you up, uh, if they don't know you from listening, and like, you make it cool. Well, I try, <laughs> and, and you try, you, but know, you, you know, you have to, you know. It. And like, and people are exposed now more, I guess, would you say, sorry, I jump around. Uh, I think people are, I would say like shows like AGT are kind of helping, right? Oh no, those shows, like from the very beginning
0: of when AGT even started, I saw that it was going to have a, a major change on magic and magicians lives. Um, and, and then there's been so many shows that have come since then, you know, with the, the Fool Us, with the Penn and Tellers and... You know, and Copperfield has been off the air. He hasn't really done a special in like 15 years. But we've had other guys. I mean, there's David Blaine. There's, right. um, there's been quite a few, and, you know, and, and speaking of like a co- comedian magician, guys like my buddy Justin Willman, who has a fantastic show on Netflix, Magic for yeah. uh, and then And then guys like me who are more about the art or the his, his, historical yeah. significance of magic. And then for me to do Houdini 100, that stunt kind of took me in a completely different realm of magic i that i never thought i would be in but i ended right. up getting into like with discovery channel and going on you know crazy trips around the world to try to find secrets about harry Houdini. i and-
1: i love that i i remember like cuz you know if people don't know like lee and i are kind of you know we're creative friends we we throw each other ideas and just talk through all kinds of things and and so i i know that I was excited for you when you really started leaning into, because dude, I I remember you, not we were friends, but I remember when you were a magician at Pizza Hut around yeah. the area. <laughs> oh but boy. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, well, that was a long time ago.
1: Okay, we'll talk about that. That's a whole other yeah. subject that people want to talk about probably. But uh-huh. no, what I meant to say was that creatively, I think that when you started making that move into like, you're the Houdini guy. Yeah. I kind of like, ended up in, in. You didn't, and you didn't do that. On, it, it, it's not like I want to, I'm, I'm compliment you in a way. Like you weren't like, you know, Oh, I'm grabbing onto this or I'm, you know, yeah. you over knowing you since we were young chaps, yeah. your love for Houdini and the history of Houdini. It's almost like you've, uh, what do people say now manifest It's like it, like almost like you getting to be friends with you know George Hardeen and mm-hmm. like uh and you just like getting to know more and more of the history and you uh you know having the idea to develop that the show you know in Pittsburgh 100 years later I think that's a pretty cool niche to not that you've chose it but it's just like it's found if anybody else does it you're like well you kind
0: of have to talk to Lee about this. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Um and in the I early days, cool.
0: it really wasn't like that. Obviously. Right. I was I was the sleight of hand magic, it's stand-up comedy magic, illusion. Mm-hmm. I loved everything about the art of magic. And I obviously every magician gets kind of introduced to Harry Houdini at some point, right? Whether it's the yeah. very beginning or you start learning about some of his shenanigans when you're coming up in the in the career. Um, and, and that happened for me. I was, a, I was a young kid doing magic at a pizza hut. I remember, you know, my English teacher in like eighth grade had assigned me uh, a book report on Harry Houdini. And cause I was doing magic tricks in the, in the cafeteria and stuff. So she was like, mm-hmm. well, this, this would be great for you. That book report just has never ended. It's still going on. right, for me right now. Um, and it got even crazier as I started to d- discover, um, houdini uh history with pittsburgh so right. growing up in the city and loving pittsburgh and then loving magic and and you know starting to fall in love with the magic of harry houdini and then merging the two it's kind of what it all sort of the you know come together for me essentially
1: I, I love i love that i have i have talked about that on this podcast people will relate to that because i do talk i mean i talk personally about me lee you like because lee doesn't listen to my podcast and <laughs> No, what I mean is- well, I'm finally on it for the first time. I know, but, no but, but like people understand what I talk about on here, but then you know what we know about each other. And right. so I've talked about before about like finding that passion throughout life. Like, cause mm-hmm. I talked about how how many jobs I used to have and how all of those kind of jobs and interests at this point still leads me to be an entertainer and producer right. and a content creator. You know what I mean? And, you know, those things that happen in your life where, like you said, that book report never ends. I kind of feel like um, I said, like, that's like I think that's like finding your gift, like finding your dream. John. Yeah. And if you can hold on to it as long as you can and ride it, yeah. you, you'll find
0: success and you'll find happiness. It's just a bumpy road sometimes when you're in the arts or when you're in, you know, yeah. a, a very unconventional way to make a living. Oh, yeah. Uh, but speaking of those early days, though, you know, doing magic at the Pizza Hut, um, those were great growing moments for a young kid. I was a shy kid. And so yeah. for me to walk around a, a, a restaurant as, as a 13 year old kid doing magic tricks, that was totally not me. But it <laughs> became me and it opened up my personality and, and, and the magic that I would be performing for people. And it just snowballed and it has just never ended. Everything has just led to another thing, another thing, another thing. And it just constantly has been that for literally 30 years, over 30 years. I've never had another job. That's one of the, And that's one of the things I'm so proud of is that I've been a magician every single day since I was 10 years old.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know like comedians can say that sometimes, like, cause I feel that in a way where I've had all these jobs, but like I was saying, like, it kind of like, it's still like you weave through that path, but the, I, I feel like you came up in magic, almost like one of our friends come up in sports. Does that make sense? I, I Yeah. Kind of like, no, like, think about it. Like you're like growing up. Okay. You were, we're middle school boys. Right. And our one friend, like we all kind of like, you know, are like good at like baseball. Right. And then our one friend's like, Oh, I'm playing for this special league. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. And then their friend's like, I don't go to this school anymore. I go to a prep school. You're like, what? (laughs) And then that's your friend. You're like, I pitch for the Colorado Rockies now. You're like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like one of those things that you've done since you were a kid. That's like, it's that kid that you're like, yeah, they're a quarterback now. Like, of course they are. Like, that's all they've ever done. That's all they've
0: ever done. Right. It
1: is. Or it's like, you know, the kid who's like, you know, the kids who are just like, yeah, they do dance. And now they're going to new york to study dance like right. that's what right. they do and then they're on broadway
0: you know it's like of they're it. destined to go to, to this process to get them to those points
1: and then they yeah. come back home and they open their own dance studio Right? <laughs> no you're 100 right that's exactly <laughs> kind
0: of how it's gone i've gotten a chance to do some crazy stuff travel around the world and, and and literally live my dream but at the end of the day i've always wanted to sleep in my own bed in pittsburgh i hate I, I I had offers to live in New York and offers for Vegas and Los Angeles. They were—I've been to those places tons, tons of times. I just never felt like that was my forever home. And I felt like if Pittsburgh is my forever home, which it clearly is, I felt that I had to make it a magical home. You know what I mean? I had to bring the—I had to be doing more than just doing gigs. So, and, and and that's why. You know, after Houdini 100, it, it, it led me in so many different directions. Of course, creating Liberty Magic now with the cultural trust, which mm-hmm. was, you know, icing on the cake for me. Because now it's like I have my own theater downtown yeah. that I can play and, and sleep in my own bed every night yeah. and still headline and perform for Pittsburghers.
1: Yeah, if, if people don't know about that, that's uh, – so if you've heard me talk about arcade comedy theater in Pittsburgh a bunch on this podcast, uh, my friends who I helped, you know, uh, start that – when we moved our building, Lee helped develop Liberty Magic, which is, I mean, I don't know about you, but to have, uh, and people can look it up, to have mm-hmm. a place like that, that looks like that, that puts on shows at that level it's of magic high, it's and illusion. a high level.
0: It, it, it's, here's a little unknown fact about this. A lot of people don't know this, but when Arcade Comedy moved down the street to their their arcade upgrade, mm-hmm. I took notice of all of this. As a businessman, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, show business and understanding—you know—show being a showman and then understanding the business of show mm-hmm. of show business. I took super interest in, into what happened of them moving out of there and getting this arcade upgrade and developing sure. their own space. And to be honest with you, at that exact moment when that was happening, I was I was in the midst of planning Houdini 100 or or Houdini 100 might have just right. happened. And so after I had all that notoriety with that stunt. I then felt that I should capitalize on it in town. And so I did have my own show at Dave and Buster's in the waterfront um, called Bamboozled. I was running that at one point. And then when Arcade moved, that building became vacant. Right. I looked into buying that building. Because I wanted to put my own magic theater in that actual space, I I saw it, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I started to get into the weeds of the financials, and I had a real estate agent looking at it and telling me, you know, what the numbers Mm -hmm. were going to be, and I just realized it just wasn't in my grasp because the barrier to entry with the taxes and putting an elevator in a building—it was
1: just too too complicated. that's the, that's those grown up things you run into as an entertainer. And you're like, eh, I think I'm just going to stick with magic. Right. <laughs> well, what I did
0: is instead right. of like, take, trying to take on too much, I yeah. then took the, the, the lesser of two evils, which in turn meant me taking my show out of Dave and Buster's because I always wanted to perform in downtown Pittsburgh.
1: Of course. So yeah. I
0: then saw, well, hotel Monaco, they had this, you know, they had rooms, they had space, that right. nothing was happening in there in these spaces on weekends. And so I then looked at guys like Penn and Teller who have a headline residency in Las Vegas at a casino. But what's a casino? It's a hotel you gamble at. It's all it is. And so that's when I was like, well, what if I just started my own show in a a hotel in Pittsburgh? And so Hotel Monaco was the vibe. That was the vibe, the aesthetic I was looking for. I approached them because I knew I couldn't afford the, the, the arcade comedy building. And so I started the show in there. And that show, 52 Up Close, has now become the longest running magic show in Pittsburgh history. Wow! Which in and of itself is is super crazy. I didn't mean, I didn't yeah. plan for that to happen. It just happened. Right. And but along the way, one evening in 2018, uh, I in my front row was Kevin McMahon, the the, the former CEO of the Cultural Trust. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw him and recognized him, I kind of already knew what he was going to come up and say to me. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the show was over. Hands me the business card. Says we need to talk. I met with him and other members of the cultural trust that were in the leadership, and sure enough, they wanted to get into magic business, but they had right. no clue how to. Right. And as soon as they told me the location, I went. I knew it. I knew it. Right. I, I knew it was going to be that 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 space because it was perfect. And and away we went on creating Liberty Magic. And in the opening year, as well as I was filming Houdini's Last Secrets around the country. I was also creating and then headlining Liberty Magic with my second magic show in plain slight because I couldn't yeah. transport 52 up close out of the hotel. It had to stay there right. because at the same time, as much as I wanted to do Liberty Magic, I wasn't sure of the cultural trust commitment because I'm married to the gang. Sure, yeah. You know that. You're, you too, yeah. man. You're, we're both married to the gang. So getting in business with somebody that then wants you to jump out of a, of a deal that I worked my entire life to get, I right. wasn't comfortable doing that. So I decided to say to the Monaco, hey, instead of me doing this show 150 times a year, I'm unfortunately only going to do it 52 times a year, which sticks with the branding on the show. Right. And that freed me up to have some time to go headline Liberty Magic 100 times in the opening yeah. year of them going. <laughs> Yeah. So it was Like that year, I, I literally worked 365 days. I didn't get yeah. a day off. It was, incredi-
1: it was uh, incredible. You know what, too? And I and I, you know, you and I, uh, we also, you know, share in like, we have decided to kind of, like we said, kind of stay where we are. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel I, that is the one thing that I feel like, um, over time, that to where the pandemic hit where it almost was to our advantage. Does that make sense? Like
0: sort of because yeah. Because I if feel you went like elsewhere we, and you couldn't do shows, you were coming home. What I mean so what we was were is, home yeah. and we didn't have that those types of crazy expenses or you know, that overhead yeah. or, you know, we were but able to I, maintain manage it in a way.
1: Yeah I, I mean in a bigger sense where I feel like you did those big shows around 2016 2017 you know And that is the same time that I was like, I think we have to move (laughs) like in order to make this happen. Oh, I remember that. And so, but, but, but we didn't because we were like, well, here's what we're going to do from here. Here's what we can do. And I I felt like, you know, you did this similar thing where you, you could have, like you said, you could have moved any moment, you know, like you could have made that happen, but it's just like, then getting into the pandemic, it's almost like, oh no, this is lending to staying at home and so now coming out of this, like, you know, we're podcasting from video right, like right, right. three years ago, I'd be like, Oh no, you have to be in my living room. Like yeah, that's you're, the you're only right, way to right. podcast. Right. You know, but now I'm like, Oh, now I'm like, I know how to do all this content and things like that. So it definitely, it definitely made uh, it made like people like us, like kind of be more creative. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And during that time, because I wasn't being creative on stage, I was being creative in the business and in the, yeah. in the, in the show structure and the lighting. Yeah. I had nothing else to do. I was like, yeah. you know, I, I, I had just done the first run of The Life and Death of Harry Houdini right before the pandemic started. So yeah. uh, end of 2019, I did two weeks or three weeks, three 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 weeks of Life and Death of Harry Houdini, which was what I wrote during 2019 because oh, there was yeah. a jump in the calendar and they were just like, hey, Lee, do you, would you be interested in taking this slot in the calendar and maybe presenting something Houdini related? And then that's when I came up with the Life and of Death of Harry Houdini, and I did yeah. it for the first run, which had me suspended upside down in the theater every night doing. Yep. I was out of my mind. But when that sh- when we went into the pandemic, I then had all this time to literally go through my eat all of my shows and take right. apart, put it back together, find new stuff, new stories. And then as we came out of the pandemic, I then had a chance to, you know, showcase this again and bring, bring all these shows back.
1: Right. Yeah. I, uh, it just, it just, you want to like, I've talked about this over the podcast. I even took time off of the podcast. People know. And so, but you, you want, you, you want to, it's hard to like look at it and not like be complain or like you had to change But really you look at at the the other end of things and how you're evolving and the things that you've learned and changed. And when we're challenged creatively, that's why like I love seeing everything, you know. You're one of my few friends that one of my creative friends where I'm like, Yeah, dude, what are we doing next? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we get excited for each other. So absolutely. Yeah. So it's exciting to, you know. Just see how we're able to evolve. Like I'm, th- I'm like, ah, oh, good. I'm glad everybody's doing all right. You know, like, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, if that makes any sense, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, but I, I, I want to get. Let's get nerdy about Houdini. Like, yeah, you want to know,
0: man. Ask me anything you want to know. The
1: fact that you've been so, you know, obsessed with it since you were young. I mean, now, like now, like I feel like it's like every dad's dream to be like if I could just do a show about like my favorite baseball player, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's what happened. Right. Like, like if you, like, so for everything that we do, we do things that we love to do. Like, you know, like I get to go on stage and talk about my family and they pay me and you get to, you know, wow people and like make people go cross-eyed, you know, like by the stuff that you do. And so, no, that's exactly what it's like. It's like you getting paid Just say, like, hey, just come give talks about your favorite person, but then you get to almost uh channel them, you know. You get to like being an
0: actor and and being an entertainer is that I got put into this little shoebox of where I get to be the greatest hair, the greatest magician of all time, and I get to play him on stage and tell my interpretation of what it would be like to have a party in his living room. I mean, yeah, I dreamt all these things <laughs> up. I dreamt all these things up, but like, yeah, yeah. that's what I was supposed to do. Like, that was yeah. the job. That was the requirement. Create right. something that like people would resonate with, and yeah. and so me having this, you know, uh, this, this allure to Harry in, in more ways than one. I was. It wasn't more. It wasn't that I was a super fan of him growing up. It was that I respected how much work in in his dedication that he put right. into the craft. That, that I now get to stand on his shoulders and present.
1: Right. And, is, it, is it a kind of a thing where, like, you grow up knowing who the best is, right? Like, you're just like, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, like that, that, that North Star, right? He's like and the, babe, then, he's the Babe
0: Ruth, you know? Exactly.
1: He, he, and then know? it's like, the more you get into the craft and the more, you know, like, I could say, okay, this is right. I'll use the example that's perfect. Like Steve Martin. Like, I'll grow up and, you know, I'll watch Steve Martin and he's silly and then I'll listen to his stand ups and you, you, you know, you'll understand different things that he's doing. But then and as you get older, what's that? And he's a magician. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yo, yeah, yeah. Steve Martin is 100% started as a magician, a magician. at Disney. Yeah. Um, My buddy but,
0: used to perform with him.
1: Oh, that's amazing. At Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: Dana Daniels, he was him and they, and they started out in that, that world together. That's crazy. Martin went on to have, you know, Steve Martin's career,
1: (laughs) but see, but see you and I wouldn't know and appreciate that about Steve Martin until we move, like until we evolve kind of knowing and studying that creative art, you know, like,
0: so now
1: you look at, I look at Steve Martin, I go, of course he did magic. Uh-huh. Like his, you see his little mannerisms and his little oh. things and his, everything is calculated. And, you know, you're like, oh, that, you know, and, but you appreciate that later. And so, you know, being able to, you know, reach at a point where you now, you're like, let me tell you all about Houdini and all these ins and outs. And like, right. you know, you're able to understand that better. It is super nerdy. It is like, if it I did a
0: super nerdy, I go into some, weird channels of, of magic history and 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 houdini and houdini stories that you know it, i didn't think i would be reading about i love and trying it to learn about but i have digested all of it because it's all part of his life and and you never know where those stories might take you because yeah. that has happened to me i have started to find things that have led me to other things that have now led me to this that i've discovered that have changed that have actually changed things about who he is to me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I uh, mean, the the one I can, and the one I can tell you about actually is I didn't know, uh, I understood that Harry was a collector hmm. of like books and, and posters. But what I didn't understand is how big of a collector he was of art. He was a a big time collector of art and antiquities and, and magic secrets. He preserved a lot of these things in his career and in his home. He turned his whole house into a museum. I'm really honest with you. That's kind of what has happened to me. I can see that's what's happening to you too. Yeah, no,
1: I, well, isn't it funny? I always, I actually, I feel like every, like three or four episodes of my podcast, I mentioned that I'm sitting in a room covered with art and film and music and design. And my favorite things, it's just like, it's it's surrounding
0: for us, right? It helps.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely, and I know what you're talking about just because we're closer friends and I have seen the photos of like uh, Houdini's like house and things and all the, that you've showed me and the things that you've collected and I've seen what you've collected, which we could talk about that in a second. Uh, but like, I feel like it's like you continually want things to inspire you. It's really yeah. just, it's almost like it has a little bit of, I think you and I believe that When someone who is talented, now, and anyone listening, I'm turning around looking at my room, like, when someone makes a Mondo poster behind me, right, and they only sell 120 of them or 200 of them, that's amazing. There Mm -hmm. is a, I feel like, a a piece of energy, that creative energy that, like, and so if you think, if I think that about art, can you imagine what magic, like, you are a physical... Art, comedy, music—it's a physical manifestation of creativity. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, when you're using like props that were owned by Harry Houdini, I Dude, mean, that's why his hands—it's yeah—it it's, literally channels channels into you and makes you want to create and be you know essentially present something just like he would. Right. And in terms of the art thing, like I had been very lucky to um, acquire a couple of his artifacts. That I have hair in my that I keep in my home, and cool. one of them is a piece of art that he yeah. that he had in his house. And I came after owning the piece of art and starting to do my history on Harry Houdini's house and his art collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I began to figure out that this piece of art was very significant to him, and wow. and and it meant a lot to him. Almost maybe one of the most important pieces in his collection. And and so I know that whenever he would walk by in his house back in the 1920s in in right. Harlem and he would see that piece of art on his wall i guarantee it inspired him and so having that same piece of art wow. on my wall helps me inspire me
1: what is it <laughs> well uh, i i i can't show it no no this this just this just briefly just say what it is I, I will describe it and here's why and here's
0: why because i'm currently working on a new documentary yep. on this piece of art i'm going to be filming the second half of it next year and it'll be coming out at a later date but the mm-hmm. piece of art—it's a little—it's—it's it's about this big. It's a little etching. It's in a—it's in a uh, a little wooden frame. It's very fragile. Uh, the etching is from eighteen sixty, so it was it was b- printed before Harry Hugin's birth in uh in right. eighteen seventy six. So it's an antique that he, it's an antique that he acquired that he liked. Right. So it was an antique, antique, yeah, antique that he acquired around nineteen hundred, right. um uh, and. It hung in his house at 278 in, in his in one of his rooms. And what it is, it's an etching of Moses turning the staff into a serpent in front of uh the, the Pharaoh. So yes. it's it technically a scene from Genesis, right? Oh, from yeah. Bible. Now, Harry Houdini, a Jewish man and, and very devout in his religion, uh, but also a magician. And yeah. if you think about what he's looking at, it's literally his his. His religion and his craft, yes, in one image, and, and that type of thing you just don't find together.
1: That it but, gives me chills. It's right. an incredible and, piece. And, yes. And so what
0: I plan on doing with it, and what's going to be part of this documentary, is I'm researching the hell out of it and trying to find mm-hmm. everything I can, all the nuances and the tidbits about it. Um, and I'm what I'm planning mm-hmm. on doing is with my buddy George Hardin, a Houdini. Yeah, uh, he's going to be accompanying me on a little trip. Uh, and that we're going to take this piece of art owned by Harry Houdini, and we're going to take it yeah. home, and it's wow. going to go back to the house, and it's going to wow. go back to the wall. Uh, wow. So that'll be that'll be the the main gist of it. And, and you're going to yeah. see through through the storytelling how how that comes about, yeah. and where the the piece of art. You'll get to see the piece of art and where it'll end up at for its final spot, where I'm going to keep it for a while for a period of time. Uh, but that's all being rolled into next year. Um, yeah. that's just one of the things that I'm I'm currently working on. I love it. That's, that, about.
1: It's such super nerdy dad stuff. I love it. I don't mean to, I don't mean Hey, look, ladies and moms are a lot of love, nerdy magic stuff too. I just think it's so, it's such cool history stuff. Uh, and Lee has something else.
0: I will show you something really cool. This is okay, something I, I can am. show you. Okay. So, when you come to see the life and death of Harry Houdini, one of the things that will be on your, on your chair will be a letter with Harry Houdini's autograph on it. And it'll be on yep. a, a piece of his letterhead. Now, it, what, now what people are taking home with them obviously isn't a real piece of their letterhead. It's something yeah. I created. Right. Uh, but this is the real piece of the letterhead. Wow. So I have here, and and so you can see his his image right there, and, and his signature right there. And then his address is also at the bottom. So I took the real version oh, of of the letterhead. Wow. And I scanned it in to get it exactly correct. And then I, I replicated it. And so when you come to the show, so essentially when you're coming to see the life and death of Harry Houdini at Liberty Magic, the show that I just dreamt up, through my research, I was able to figure out the final night that Harry was ever in his actual living room. Okay? Because right when yeah. he passes away, he dies on October 31st, 1926 from yeah. appendicitis. Right. But, his lineage of how he did when he was doing shows, obviously, he was in the newspapers all the time. Anytime he was in a city, he was in the press. And so through us histor- Houdini historians, yeah. I was able to go through meticulously and figure out the exact moments where he was literally in the final month of his life. Wow. And, and, and through those moments, in his, he had just started his 1926 slash 1927 world tour. Yeah. And but he was still in the East Coast. He was uh, in. So on October 7th, he was in Connecticut. Uh, The next day, he has something going on and he ends up coming back to New York City, his home on October 9th. Now, the strange Mm -hmm. thing about this is that he normally would travel with his wife, Bess. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this and the reason why we were able to figure this out is because Bess, she ends up getting a a stomach ache in uh, Connecticut. And so she doesn't travel home with him and instead she stays with his crew and they go on to Albany, New York, where he performs on the 11th in Albany, New York. Now, the reason why we know all these significant details okay. is because in Albany, New York, when he was performing the upside down uh, water torture cell escape, he fractures his ankle. OK, so that's documented.
1: He's oh, on the, right.
0: On that day, I remember. In, yeah, in I remember. Albany, he Fractured his ankle the day before the on the on the uh, 8th he's in Connecticut so that only leaves a 48 hour window of when we knew he traveled back to new york city so he came back on october 9th that was his final night ever in his living room because he leaves the next morning wow. to go on to meet with best right. and travel to albany and then and then for, and then 21 days later he'd be dead yeah. so and and it it started a series of events that were that all kind of complicated his life that obviously were the right. ramifications of, of how kind of how he died. Um, so I was able to pinpoint the exact night he was in his house. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to throw a, a fictitious going away party, and as yeah. the audience, that's what you're coming in to be a part of. So when you're sitting in the room, you're literally yeah. sitting in Harry Houdini's living room at two seven eight West 113th Street Harlem, I and love that. and then so you're you're wrapped you, and you get taken back in time. And you get to be part of this interesting party. And so what I did yeah. is obviously this was a part of it. And then uh, there's a lot of really cool magic throughout the show. It's all historically accurate. Everything, All the magic that I'm doing in the show is all magic he did in the exact yeah. same, st- in kind of the same way he did it. I mean, down to the minutest detail. Um, I love and it. Then, and then after the show's over, because I, I have you know quite a few artifacts from the yeah. site, I have them set up in the VIP section. So the people that have VIP tickets after the show, you then get kind of a, a show and tell. Yeah. It gets history.
1: even more bad, be- like it gets even nerdier and better. Nerdier and nerdier. Yes. It's the best. And that's what I love. So no, I, uh, I can't wait to come see it. Uh, I have not seen it yet. Uh, it's, I cannot wait. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, no. And obviously if anybody is in the Pittsburgh area, they can come see you at Liberty magic. They can see you all over the country whenever you're around. Uh, you have so much stuff online. Um, but no, this is fun, man. I uh yeah, I'm glad I found an excuse to talk about it.
0: Yeah, man. I'm glad <laughs> to be a part of it. Yeah.
1: Uh I know. And then and then Lee and I are gonna go talk more for another 30 minutes of everything we wanted to talk about. <laughs> not on the air. Um no, uh so dude, thanks a lot. I just with yeah, you, know, pleasure, man. Great,
0: great, um, yeah, it great talking about
1: Harry. Dude, it, it's such a it's such a nerdy thing, and it's uh, you know. I Guess once you started adding history, it started becoming grown-up business. <laughs> it is, it it's is, like,
0: really, it is a grown-up business.
1: It, this it, is, this is like, this is, you are, I will say, you are reaching an age. We are reaching those that age where we have to get into nerdy history stuff. And mine is, I guess, you know, World War II tanks and aliens, and yours is Harry Houdini. I know? was, here. Just, you know, what though, I was also a World War II kid too. I love learning
0: about World War II. My grandfather served, he was a Marine, he was in Iwo Jima. Yeah. Uh, fought in World War Two. I mean, I remember as well, a you know, kid, like it's some of these war stories,
1: we get it. the hell out of me. It's just it's just like, you know, we we reach that age where it's like, I guess, I don't know, do you start appreciating history? What is it? Like do. What is I think it? you do. I think
0: you get to a certain point in your life where you look back on where we've come as a society and as a nation
1: and we're humans. You know, as humans you know, like I, mean, I guess after allow. you live you live like 40 plus years you're like whoa there are other humans that have done this they were pretty cool at it (laughs) yeah and and they did it with way less than what we have yeah 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 yeah. that's why i look back on what harry
0: did in his career and it is very amazing because he didn't have the internet he didn't have you know (laughs) tiktok he didn't have youtube he literally had to create this stuff from scratch or he had to pull it out of really rare books.
1: I mean, didn't he die of appendicitis? He died of appendicitis. They well, didn't have that either. Well, well, yeah. He, <laughs> they couldn't he, fix that. He, yeah. Well, the, believe it or
0: not, the end of his death was, in a way, was kind of his own fault because yeah. a lot of people, you know, you, I, I don't talk to doctors about this that, that have heard the appendicitis story. And to be honest with you, like, he already had appendicitis because a lot of people know about the punch
1: that he took in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. What's the real, what's the story? He had appendicitis, but then he got punched. He got punched. Okay. Well, the reason why the punch is even in, in significance
0: and why people talk about it today Mm -hmm. was because after he passed away and his wife, Bess, she liquidated his estate, you know, set all the magic and all this stuff, sold the house, but they also did one other thing. The insurance policy on his life Mm -hmm. was obviously kicked in because they, they wanted to say that he died doing his his job when appendicitis isn't part of the job right right? so the way they got around that was that because and believe it or not there was a reason why is because there was a double addendum clause in the life insurance policy that if he died doing something of, of his of his craft it paid out double well appendicitis has nothing to do with his craft so the way right. they they made it be a part of it was they went back through through, through that last month of his life and looked at all the, the stuff that had happened to him, and then in in, in, uh, in uh, right before he you know gets into trouble, he's in Canada doing something called a debunking where he's revealing right. how spiritualism works. He's showing right. you know the, the secrets essentially. He's like the masked magician back then, but for for people not to be conned. Because yeah. people were being conned by talking to
1: mediums and stuff. Yeah, he he women. was he was he was a debunker of like what right like mediums and like people that said they could talk to people's dead right. relatives he, and yeah he, he was actually, like knock that off. He
0: he he took it as he didn't mind if it was prevent, presented as theatrical, but the right. minute you're starting to charge people and give them false hope and let them right. think that they're talking to their dead relative when in actuality they're not. He hated that. He hated people being scammed. He cared about Americans. Right. And, and at that moment in time when he's in Canada, a guy by the name of James Gordon Whitehead, interesting name, but um, came back into his dressing room. And at the time, Harry would let strong men, like world champion. Yeah, right. He would let them punch him in the stomach. But it was always for a photo op, right? It, and this guy, he took it kind of more seriously. Like, oh, I'm going to punch you in the stomach. Let me, let me hit you. And so he came back into his dressing room, talked to him for a moment said, can I punch in the stomach? Harry says yes. Before Harry could stand up and flex his abs, this guy belts him in the stomach a couple times, right? Right. Well, that moment got kind of orchestrated for the insurance policy. Sure, sure. And so that is how it got attached to the story because I've talked to doctors. They said he definitely had appendicitis at this moment. There's no way a punch to the stomach triggered appendicitis. Right, right, right. And there's no way that having appendicitis and getting punched in the stomach would then cause you to instantly rupture your, you know, it's, it doesn't look like, so,
1: like that. So, so Houdini's last trick, insurance fraud. Insurance fraud! It, yeah, was, right. it wasn't his last trick, it was his wife's, really. He didn't really yeah. have anything to do with it, but... His wife's last trick, insurance fraud. Doubled the money on, on the
0: payout it. of the insurance. And that's kind of how it all kind of stems I together. think they deserved it. They did, but... <laughs> I mean, he was already the richest magician in the world. One of the richest entertainers in the world. Uh, And what's super cool about, uh, at that moment, he passes on his wife. She liquidates his entire collection. And it goes out all over the world, right? Well, uh, since then, guys like me and other Houdini historians have tried endlessly to get these things back, you know, into the right hands. And right. the one person that has done the most has been David Copperfield. And mm. he has a secret warehouse in the Las Vegas desert where a majority of these things are-, are Amazing. And, and of course, me being a Houdini fan and a personal fan of David Copperfield, um, I, I took my buddy George Hardeen to meet David Copperfield after we fil- finished filming Houdini's Last Secrets in 2019. went to Vegas. I, and then, because I knew that if I introduced David Copperfield- to a, a relative of Harry Houdini, yeah, he knew magic would happen, and and so that's what happened. I, I watched David Copperfield literally become a kid. He was, you know, he was instantly like, "Oh my God, you're, he's in the presence of magic royalty." Yeah, and so he then invited myself and George into an incredible experience of going into his museum and seeing all this stuff for real. And I remember this, you that, telling me about it. Really and I'm stuff, man, yeah, it was next. I, I'm level. Still
1: envious. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, so that's and that's how and and so all of that information I then took and 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 put it into the, the the life and death of Harry Beating, which is on stage now through December third at Liberty Magic.
1: I love it, dude. That's uh, it and that I will say that is if you I don't know what to call it, but like the nerdiest like dad moment of your life is probably uh, hanging out in Copperfield's private collection. That's.
0: Walking the halls of that museum with him yeah. and a Houdini, <laughs> and myself is like I don't uh, get. Like I, I'm not. Yeah. I, why am I part of this equation right now? But I'm the glue it's that so brought it together. But it wouldn't happen with, if I didn't dream it up, you know. And that, that yeah, was the plan. so it's ridiculous. It's 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 one of those next level things that I'll always remember and look back on with a lot of great memories. So dude,
1: that's wild. Uh, well, everyone can look you up. They 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 know how to type in your name. They yeah. see it uh bro i love you man thank you uh <laughs> thank you.
0: great seeing you great talking with you thanks for having me
1: hey uh i'm gonna uh do you think that uh do you have something that you could do on camera real quick for patreon listeners? yeah oh yeah no problem watchers
0: yeah i could do a all trick. right bye
1: friends we're gonna go over to patreon and uh yeah. lee's gonna do a trick for some I'll select friends the best. yeah my best. All uh, right. you're the best dude thanks, thanks peace buddy. y'all i'm gonna i'm gonna outro the show lee that's oh, what do i do it. do it I'm gonna outro the show you guys are the best uh, I usually uh, I, you know what let's go out uh, playing kid mental boom uh, uh, we'll be right back uh, on patreon be kind be funny be kind be funny be kind be funny be kind be funny